Chapter 17, all right, there we go. <clears throat> I didn't turn on the mic and uh, this one got turned off. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 46. I said we were going to continue our message from this morning, and, uh, or from last week, excuse me, from last Sunday night, that all the earth may know, that all the earth may know. We've got a lot more of guests with us tonight. We're glad to have you teenagers. Glad to see you. And uh, glad you could be here tonight. Did you have a good time this afternoon? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm going to leave that one. I'm not going to touch that with a 10-foot pole. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 46. All right, it's time to listen. Let's go ahead and see what we can get from God's Word tonight, all right? Here we go. The Bible says, This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And again, we're focusing on that thought that all the earth may know that there's a God in Israel. Again, last week we began discussing this topic and we talked about the reality and the fact that missions is conceived in the mind of God. That it wasn't our desire, it wasn't our design, it wasn't our uh, uh, developed plan, it was God's. God came up with this thing called missions, that He's the first one to think about lost mankind. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to come to earth, to die, be buried, and rise again. It wasn't our design, it wasn't the way we des- uh, figured it out or did it, it's the way God did it, and now we're just following through. We're just doing exactly what He did. Even as Jesus Christ left heaven and came to earth to reach after uh, all of fallen man, so we now go out into the entire earth and try to reach out to those that are lost without Jesus Christ, those that are in darkness and those that are in bind, uh, in chains and those that are bound by sin. We're reaching out, even as God did, reaching out. We're just following God's plan. This is God's plan and his, uh, the missions is conceived in his mind. And so we want to, we wanted to recognize that and realize that And uh, we did last week, and now we're going to pick up where we left off, and we're going to consider number two. Not only is missions conceived in the mind of God, but missions is carried on through the Old Testament prophets. And we're going to look at a couple examples tonight, and we're going to see how even in the Old Testament, the real emphasis and the real desire and the real design and the real goal was that all the earth may know. Everybody needs to know there's a God. Everybody needs to know that Jesus Christ is Lord. Everybody needs an opportunity to be saved. And everybody needs to hear the truth. And so what we're going to know tonight is that even in the Old Testament, God was concerned about everybody realizing and recognizing that there is a God. His name is Jehovah God and His Son is Jesus Christ. And we want to note that tonight, okay? So let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Father, we come to you. Lord, we thank you for this time together. We're grateful for this opportunity that we have to lift you up, to magnify you and glorify you. Thank you, Father, for that, uh, that music, the songs, and just, Father, for the blessings that we've already experienced. The choir did such a great job in the specials tonight. And, Lord, just thank you, Father, for uh, just uh, the baby dedication, how exciting it was uh, to hold Michael in my arms. And, Lord, I just thank you for that privilege. I don't know that there's a much better privilege than to be able to just love on children uh, the way Jesus did, and I'm so excited to have that opportunity as pastor Community Baptist, and I just ask your God that you would just bless now each of us and every family represented, and all of these young people as well. Lord, be glorified in this service. In these next few minutes, we don't have much time, Lord, you know, but Father, with what little time we have tonight, may we see big results for your glory. 
We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. We're talking about missions now being carried on through the Old Testament prophets. Throughout history, God's people have had the privilege of proving God as being the only God. Now that didn't come cheap and it didn't come easy and it cost people things. But God has allowed them in the Old Testament to be put in very precarious positions that all the earth may know. We look back on some of the Old Testament uh, characters and we recognize and realize that they found themselves between a rock and a hard place many times. Why? So that all the earth may know. Sometimes God permitted them to be very uncomfortable so that He could manifest Himself in a very real way in their life and in the lives of those around them for the express purpose that all the earth may know. We think of David, and we read about him already here in 1 Samuel chapter 17. But again, when he faced Goliath, of course, Goliath was a giant. I mean, we're talking a man that was nine and a half, ten feet tall. Talking about a fellow that was uh, probably uh, weighing at least 450 pounds. At least that. I mean, can you imagine... I mean, you got Shaquille O'Neal that's seven foot one or seven two, and he weighs three hundred and twenty pounds. Can you imagine a man that is literally three feet taller than Shaquille O'Neal, another foot and a half wider, another foot thicker? Can you imagine the size of his shoes? I mean, think of that. I mean, can you imagine? A young man in our, our church may say tonight, "Oh, well, I, I have me a twelve, or I have me a thirteen, or I have me a fifteen, even." Well, that's good, but I guarantee you Goliath's shoe was probably like 35. You know what I'm saying? He, you know, it was like a yardstick, you know, walking along, you know. I mean, just they were out there. I mean, 36, you know. And now that's no exaggeration, mind you. Do you realize, and I don't have time to go into this, they have found footprints that were that big? Yeah, you know, fossilized footprints. We've been talking about that on Sunday mornings about creation. By the way, they're beside, some of, some of these footprints they're finding are beside those of dinosaurs. That's interesting, isn't it? You don't hear that in school, do you? But let me tell you something today. God has a plan, and in, even in the Old Testament, men like David were put in very vicarious positions. I mean, here he was facing a giant. Oh, David, he was concerned about the, the name of his God. He wanted Jehovah to be magnified. And instead of simply having a, a message to tell, God said, I'm going to put you face to face with a giant. And in the midst of this turmoil, this trial, this trouble, you're going to exalt me that all the earth may know. And David stepped up to the plate that day. And he looks Goliath in the eye and he says, This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. And I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day into the fowls of the air, into the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know, that all the earth may know, that there's a God in Israel. You know, you and I may not be called to stand toe-to-toe with a literal Goliath. But we are given the opportunity to face some giants of another kind. In the book of Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12, the Bible says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Ours is a spiritual warfare, whose foe is none other than Satan himself and his emissaries. And we are called upon to face them, Not just face them, but face them courageously and ultimately victoriously in Christ Jesus. Why? That all the earth may know. 
every time a Christian faces a giant in their life, every time that Christian fails to overcome and be victorious, it does not in any way glorify God. God wants Him to be glorified. Every situation we find ourselves in, we ought to seek God's face. We ought to be in His presence. We ought to find the courage and the strength so that we can be victorious, that all the earth may know. Well, we make some bad decisions in life, find ourselves on the wrong side of the Word of God even. That doesn't honor Christ, and it does not point a flashlight on the God who deserves to be uplifted and glorified. Sometimes, unfortunately, it does point a flashlight, but only in a negative way. All the earth may know. We're placed in those difficult positions sometimes. But in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, we can claim a promise. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Even as Paul the Apostle could claim that truth and acknowledge that truth, we can. There is nothing impossible with God. In 1 John 4, 4, he says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in the world in you than he that is in the world. Excuse me. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Again, overwhelming odds are par for the course. Get used to it. Young people, listen to me. Don't expect life to be easy. Don't expect it just to fall into place. Hey, if things fall into place, you ought to thank God for that. But let me tell you something. He doesn't promise a rose garden. There's a, we have to be prepared and ready for the hard times too. Because see, life is not, is not fair. It's just the reality of it. And listen, I want to encourage you young people, I would encourage you to be in God's house every time the doors are open. I'd encourage every adult to find their way to God's house. Why? Because if you're going to stand for that God who you claim you love and who you claim you know, then you're going to need Him to help you. And you find Him right here, and you're encouraged in the Word right here, and you're equipped right here. We have to face overwhelming odds at times. We are not called necessary to fling a stone, but to stand upon a rock. And if we're going to continue to stand on the rock, the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to need someone to come along and help us from time to time. And that includes every adult in this room. God did not design the church so that we could do it and live it alone. He put the church here for a purpose and a reason. And that was to come alongside one another and encourage one another and exhort one another and enable one another to stand courageously and victoriously on behalf of God. Why? So that all the earth may know. We think of those Hebrew children. Talk about those ones, remember, who were faced with the choice of either bowing to the king or dying for the king. One's a little K in my mind. The other's a big K. Either the king Darius or, or they're, excuse me, they're going to either, a uh, uh, choice of bowing to the, the literal king or possibly the literal king of heaven. And they chose to take their place in a fiery furnace. Despite the real prospect of death, which of course you get thrown in a furnace, that's a real prospect. <laughs> they stood without compromise. They didn't care. It was possibly their life, but they would not deny their Lord. These Bible heroes of the Old Testament, those Hebrew children placed their total faith and their future in the literal hands of God. When it was all said and done, all the earth knew that there was a God in Israel. All the earth knew. Daniel chapter 3, verse 28 and 29, we read, Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego 
who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree. The king says that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made a dunghill, because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Isn't that amazing? I mean, what first seemed to be a real tragedy and a real trial and a real problem turned out to be the greatest Greatest event in the history of that king and that, 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 that ruler. I mean, there all of a sudden, these men who thought their lives were in danger and ultimately their family's going to be left fatherless and hopeless and penniless. All of a sudden, they become the real, the, the real catapult, if you will, for this truth that there's a God, a real God, an amazing God, one that stands above all others. I mean, it's amazing to think about that. That ultimately the king says, hey listen, you say anything against their God, I'll kill you. Because there is one God like their God, there's no other God like that. Hey, that all the earth may know. You say, but there's a lot of fiery trials in my life, I just wish they'd go away. One of the reasons why God permits them in your, in your life is that all the earth may know. That's why. God, He wants you to, to be a witness of His grace. He wants a testimony of His grace. He wants the world to look at your life and say, Man, there's no way in the world they could go through that alone. There must be someone or something else. And there is. God. And they see God in you and in your trial. Just like they did with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. <clears throat> the way we combat... These attacks face these trials as a testimony of the reality of God in our lives. And so every time you're confronted with tragedy or hardship, may we, may you, may I respond in a way that says, there is a God that all the earth may know. Daniel had an impeccable testimony. Young man. Can you imagine, fellas? I mean, honestly, think about this. Can you imagine your home, and all of a sudden, uh, a foreign enemy comes to the United States and takes you and your family, rips you from your home, separates you from your parents, separates you from grandma and grandpa, separates you from brothers and sisters, says, you're going with me. They kill your family, take you with them, and to another land. And they say, guess what? You get to serve us now. How would you feel? be pretty upset, wouldn't you? Guess what? That's what happened to Daniel. Daniel was taken into the captivity. The enemy had come along and had literally stole him away out of his land, took him to a foreign land. And then they said, we're going to train you up. We're going to teach you. He was a young man. He had prospect. He had hope. And God did some miraculous things in his life. He never, we don't see any record of him sinning in the Bible. He's an amazing man. Simply amazing. His testimony is so impeccable that the leadership there uh, is ultimately driven to lie about his testimony, to say that he's, he's they, they just knew that he, could, that he could, wouldn't do anything against God. He wouldn't do anything wrong. So what they did is they made a decree. Uh, I want to read it over here in the book of Daniel, chapter 6, verse 5 through 7. Then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against Daniel. 
We'll never find a way to nail Daniel. He's got it going. He's, he's really on top of things. He loves the Lord and he's doing everything right. So they said, we'll, we'll never find an occasion against Daniel except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions." Is there, is there, is anybody else warm in here? Good. As long as you're okay, I'm fine. I just want to know. I'm up here sweating. I don't glow, ladies. I sweat. (laughs) Fellas, make sure you sweat. All right. So nonetheless, we see here this decree, O king, He shall be cast into a den of lions. Again, they're so vexed, they're so jealous, they're so so full of envy that they scheme and they plot to hoping to trap uh, Daniel, ultimately killing this man of God. The result of their efforts was this royal statute. This royal statute that forbidded praying to any other than the king himself. As expected, Daniel, he doesn't let anybody down. He's true to form. Thus, he finds himself praying as he always has done. Well, they find him, they catch him, and guess what they do? They bring him to the king. They say, you sign this decree, this statute. You've got to uphold it, king. Daniel has to be thrown into the den of lions. But instead of Daniel feeling the crushing weight of the lion's jaws... He experienced the comforting work of the Lord in his life. And before the ordeal is over, these men and their families would provide those lions with a feast. And Daniel's God would be exalted before the world. You say, well, how'd that work? Well, over in the book of Daniel 6.24, the king makes this statement. The king commanded, and they brought those men, which had accused Daniel, of course. They cast them into the den of lions. Them, their children, their wives, and the lions had mastery of them, and break all their bones in pieces, and wherever they came at the bottom of the den. So they're dead now. The very ones who tried to set Daniel up, them and their families are dead. And then all of a sudden, the king makes this statement. Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree... That in every dominion of my kingdom, men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. And his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. Man, isn't that an amazing testimony? All because of a fiery, all because of a den of lions. All because there was a man that was willing to stand in the midst of that, that decree and say, I'm going to pray like I've always prayed. You know, we think that life is the most precious thing. It is not. Obedience to God is. We think that our life and our well-being is what's most important. It is not. Not to the believer. We have eternal life. This life is not our life. We're already seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Do not take your life and put it over God. Do not make your life a God to you and serve your life. 
Instead, serve the God who gives you light. Daniel said, you know what? If it costs me my life, I'm going to keep praying because I know that's what God wants me to do. I'm going to continue to serve the Lord. That's what God wants me to do. And the truth is, is that in the end, all the earth knew there was a God in heaven. I just wonder tonight, when people look at your life, do they know there's a God in heaven? Do they know that? I'm not talking about, well, I'm just so blessed. Don't you get a little bit tired of drunkards telling you God helps them and meets their needs all the time? Doesn't this stuff kind of stuff drive you nuts? It burns my hide. I'm sorry, but it just bothers me. I don't like when somebody's out cussing, drinking, running, and ramming with the world, and they turn around and say, God's, been, God's blessing me, brother. Really? Is he? You think God is, 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 looks upon that with favor? Well, I don't ever come to church, but God's good to me, brother. He's really blessing me. Really? The God of this world or the God in heaven? Which God? I'm sorry, but I'm having a real problem with kicking the God that loved you, saved you, forgave you in the face, and then saying, bless me. I have a problem with spitting in his face, and then telling him, and then telling the world, I love him. How can you spit in his face and, and love him? I'm always sick and tired of playing games. Aren't you tired of it? You young people, listen to me. Don't you be hypocrites. Don't you act one way at school and come here and act all holy in church. Don't you sit there and talk like angels when you're around here and treat people with respect and then go back to your schools and treat people like the devil. Listen to me. You stand up for Jesus Christ in your school. You be a testimony to your friends. You go ahead and remain pure till you're married. You do the right things now that all the earth may know. You have an obligation and responsibility just like every single person in this room. But I'm just a young person. I'm young. You have Christ in your life? Have you been saved? Yeah, I've been saved. Then you have the exact strength, the ability, and opportunity to live for Him that I do. I know it's tough to live for God in this world. But listen to me, girls. You have an obligation and responsibility, if you know Christ is your Savior, to live for Him and to be a witness for Him and to be a testimony to Him that all the earth may know. But you don't understand. They make fun of me at school if I try to carry my Bible. They make fun of me at school if I try to live for Jesus Christ. They make fun of me at school if I don't party and drink and smoke this or drink that or do that or say this or talk like that. I don't care what they do. Let me tell you something. You have an obligation and a responsibility to live for Jesus Christ that all the earth may know. And that's true for every adult in this room. I'm so sick of hearing adults tell teenagers how to live left and right and we go and do what we want to do. We point our finger at them and we say to them, oh, you need to be a good boy, you need to be a good girl, and then we'll go home and watch things that we know don't honor Christ and we'll listen to things that we know don't honor Christ and we'll go places we know it doesn't honor Christ. And we wonder why our friends won't listen to us when we invite them to church. And they want nothing to do with the God that we serve. Maybe it's because we're not truly a testimony. In the midst of this fiery trials. In the midst of the lion dens. In the midst of the difficult storms in our life. Or when we face the giants, we're just not showing our God the way he ought to be shown. They see us instead of him. Listen, the whole reason for missions is that all the earth may know. And that is the reason why we've been left here on this earth every day of our life in this community in which we live. That every person, every boy, every girl, every man, every woman may know that there's a God. A God that is worthy of our devotion, our commitment, 
worthy of our praise. All you need to do is look at the New Testament. You can see that missions is commanded in the New Testament. And you'll notice that mission, missions has continued today. You know, we had that commission given to us. He says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Man, why are we to do that so that all the earth may know? Why do we continue this work that we do today? Because, you know, when he left, he gave us some marching orders. And as we close this service, he, he said to us in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, before he ascended to go back to be with the Father, he took those disciples in whom he loved, and he said, listen, fellas, I've got a commission for you. I've got a mission for you, and here it is. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, and as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. According to the verse, we see the power was given. The power that all the earth may know was given. It's called the Holy Ghost. We've been given the Holy Ghost in the passage. We see the purpose outlined. We are to be witnesses unto the uttermost. We see the period clearly shared now. So so shall come in like manner. What are we saying? He's coming back the way he left. Until he returns, you keep at it. Until he comes back, you keep giving the gospel. Until he puts his feet on this planet or opens up the clouds and receives us unto himself, you keep reaching the world with the gospel that all the earth may know. Reverend Andrew Fuller declared in his book, The Gospel Worthy of All Acceptation, if it is the duty of all men to believe whenever the gospel is presented to them, it must be the duty of all who have received the gospel to endeavor to make it universally known. One more time. You heard this this morning, possibly, if you were listening. Maybe you were here and still didn't hear it. You're not listening now either. But anyway... If, if it is the duty of all men to believe whenever the gospel is presented, and it is, is it not? If they don't accept Christ, they're going to die and go to hell. It's their duty. It must be then the duty of all who have received the gospel to endeavor to make it universally known. Therefore, we are obligated and responsible to ensure that all the earth may know. See, missions is conceived in the mind of God. Missions was carried on through the Old Testament prophet. Mission is commanded in the New Testament, and missions is continued today. David stood before the giant Goliath, and he said, This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand. And I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the hosts of the Philistines this day into the fowls of the air, to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. May we face the giants of our day with equal confidence for the same reason that all the earth may know. 
That's the real goal. That everybody knows the same God that we now know. That the world has an opportunity to receive and accept Christ even as we have. Tonight I wonder, do you know this Jesus? Not talking about the one just simply walk the dusty trail of Galilee. I'm not just talking about the one who we celebrate at Christmas or Easter. I'm talking about the one who died for you. Who personally gave his life on your behalf. It's one thing to know about him. It's another thing to know him. And I want to encourage you to settle that issue this evening. If you've never accepted Christ, you've never invited him into your life. There's never been a time and place when you personally asked Christ to be your savior, to forgive your sin, to take you to heaven one day. You need to do that tonight. You need to do that. You're responsible to respond to the gospel. But tonight, believer, we are responsible to ensure that all the earth may know so that everybody gets that same opportunity that we've had. Father, we come to you. Lord, we thank you again for this time together. We thank you for this opportunity that we've had just in these last few moments to give consideration to some men in the Old Testament and how problems, trials, and circumstances and situations that seem so glim, uh, grim and so difficult turned into wonderful opportunities to magnify you before a world that was lost that all the earth may know. Help me, Lord, and help these in this room to live for you, to stand for you, to not make excuses, but, Lord, to truly take responsibility for our own life and our own actions so that when we are in the midst of the hurt, the heartaches, the difficulties, we can respond according to your word that all the earth may know. Lord, if there's any that are here without Christ today, may they settle their soul salvation. Maybe you're here tonight, you don't know for sure. You don't have it settled. In just a moment, we're going to give you an opportunity to respond. Every head bowed and every eye closed, please. If people are moving to altars, that's fine. But if you're at your seat, if you could help us with that, please. Every head bowed, every eye closed. It's between you and God. Do you know for sure if you died, you'd go to heaven? Do you have it settled? You say, preacher, I don't know for sure. I can't say without a doubt I'm on my way to heaven. Please pray for me. And with an uplifted hand, you say, that's me. I don't have it settled. I don't know for sure. There's never been a time or place when I've accepted Christ. Can I help you with that? Lift up your hand. Just let me pray for you. I'll pray for you. I don't have it settled. I don't know for sure. Anybody like that in the auditorium? I don't have it settled. I don't know for sure. Pray for me, preacher, with an uplifted hand. Anybody? Anybody? All right, let's assume that we're all Christians then. Oh, I might have seen a hand or two. Thank you for that honesty. Put your hand down. In just a moment, we're going to start our music. In a moment, I'm going to pray for those that did raise hands. And I, and I want you, if you meant business with the Lord, if you were serious about that, and I know you were if, you'd raised your, if you raised your hand, I'm going to ask you to step out in just a moment when that music begins to play, and I want you to come see me at the front. You're a Christian, though. How's your testimony before the world that all the earth may know? Do they see Christ in you? Father, right now I come to you asking, Lord, that you would bless us Meet needs. And Lord, for the hands that were raised, I pray you'd give them courage in a moment. The gospel is simple. Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again the third day. All we need to do is by faith receive and accept him, and he will forgive us and save us and take us to heaven. Father, help us, Lord, to truly know that and believe it. 
and to put our faith and trust in you. Right now, with every head bowed, Lord, we're asking you to work in lives. And for that hand, those hands that were raised, give them the courage they need to step out in just a moment so they can settle their soul's salvation tonight once and for all. Well, thank you. Let's all stand to our feet, every head bowed and every eye closed. As soon as the music plays, you come. You raised your hand, come see me. You raised your hand, come see me. Let's settle this. Let's get it done tonight.